0: So very interesting guest today because uh, I'm a huge radio fan, as anyone that listens knows. And uh, as an Opie and Anthony fan, I was kind of groomed to hate this guy, even though I didn't really know a lot about him. I didn't know a lot about you, Chauncey Hayden, but I was groomed to hate you. And then uh, I actually saw an interview you did, I think, somewhat recently. I was just scrolling around YouTube and I was like, oh, this guy's just a gossipy little Gertie like myself. He just likes to shit on radio, you know. Did you feel like you got that a lot?
1: Yeah, well, you know, both Opie and Anthony and uh, Howard Stern back in the day, that's what they would, they would create characters. Right. It was like the WWE. So it didn't matter what kind of person you were or what your real personality was like. You know, they would develop characters. And if you wanted to be on the radio, either you played ball or you didn't, you know, so I took on the villain role with Opie and Anthony and later on with Howard Stern, because I found it worked for me better than than trying to, you know, shove my nose up everybody's butt trying to get on the air. I I enjoyed, I enjoyed the hate, if that makes any sense. Like, I liked it.
0: (laughs) You were, I mean, from from what I know of you, you seemed like a great shitster. Was that... Kind of your goal, like what did you want to do when you got into journalism? Were you always you always wanted to cover radio, or what was the uh, end game when you first started out?
1: Oh, wasn't wasn't radio at all when I first started. I wanted to just be. um, Well, when I was a little kid, I used to steal my dad's Playboys under his mattress. Yeah, and and I don't know if you read Playboy growing up. Uh, I'm blind, Chauncey.
0: It wouldn't do me a lot of good.
1: But were you always blind?
0: (laughs) Uh, Legally blind. Yeah.
1: Oh, so you didn't get a chance. Well, they didn't make a Braille Playboy. <laughs> no, I, I should start
0: that, though. I'll invest in that company. <laughs> well,
1: well, no. Um, they had uh, these interviews, these Q&As, uh, with these tremendous celebrities. And I was fascinated. Even, like, at 9 years old and 10 years old, I would read these Q&A interviews with, like, John Wayne and, you know, all, all these tremendous stars. And I loved it. I loved reading them. So when I got older, I went to school for journalism and I wanted to do the same thing. So I started a magazine and six pages of the magazine were the same format as Playboys interviews. They'd be like a like a 30 or 40 question Q&A. And I just loved it. I loved meeting all these people about it. that was so cool or controversial and getting a chance to interview them and um one day i I interviewed sam kennison the comedian i don't know if you remember him or not yep and uh sam and i got into a huge brawl we got into a fight backstage at rascals comedy club in new jersey and it ended up ended up in all the newspapers and howard stern called me up and uh He said, hey, you're the dude that got into a fight with Sam. He goes, what happened? Come on here with us. Come on here. So I went on the air and Howard started busting my balls saying, come on, you love this. This is great. Nobody knows who you are. And now everybody's saying, who's Chauncey Hayden? This is awesome for you. And and from that point on, Howard would always have me on because I learned that by talking about Howard on, at one point during my interviews, he would discuss it and discuss me and my magazine on a show. So it became a thing. I became a regular doing that. And, and because the show had 26 million people, whatever it was at the time, other shows like Opie and Anthony and, uh, you know, so many others all over the country started wanting me to go on their shows too. They wanted to have a Chauncey on their show. And uh, I just played along with it. I played along with um. Like you said at the beginning of your question, being kind of a shit stirrer, you know, looking right. looking for an angle, something that just I know would get into somebody's skin, and it made for great radio. It really did.
0: Sure, and, and I mean that's what it's funny because that's probably why Howard took a liking to you because that's what he was great at. And somewhere right. along the way, it seems like he kind of uh, I don't, if he forgot that or abandoned it or whatever. Did you? When did you notice the shift? where Howard went from kind of the shitster that loved that sort of radio to what he is now, where it's this
1: almost PC, I guess, Hollywood Howard. Yeah, it's changed. Well, I got, you know, full disclosure, I I really don't listen to the show. A lot of people don't. When I was on the show, you you could ask the mailman, uh, the guy behind the deli counter, the local cop, Everybody could tell you what was on the show that morning. Every single person listened to it. Now, you you couldn't find anybody to tell you what Howard talked about today. You just wouldn't. Nobody listens. Nobody. So um, when I I left in 2005, I didn't leave. I I was killed off. And and, uh, that seems to have worked out great for me because – It was when Howard jumped the shark. It was right at that time. You know, I think he had another year or two in him where he was still kind of like Howard. But but the pieces were all the will was in motion. He was not going to be the guy he was on Terrestrial Radio. So I got out of it before he became who he is today. And uh, I'm honored to be. Uh, blackball from the show where my name can't be mentioned. <laughs> I, I, I find that as a badge of honor because there aren't that many of us. And, and to... I mean, well, I don't know about that. The list is growing.
0: It it's gets, growing. It gets oh, yes. pretty
1: big. <laughs> it is growing. It actually is growing. You're right. You're right. But when you consider 26 million viewers, I, I think the list is 15 or something now. Something like that. Um, we could probably try and guess and go over it. Sure. There is There is a list somewhere, an actual list that was circulating on the internet that, I remember
0: that. that didn't Stuttering John or someone put it oh, out there? Oh yeah,
1: Stuttering John put it in his book. There's there's a real list yeah. of who can't be mentioned, and I'm glad to be on it. I really am. I'd rather do that than just have uh, been like a a little mosquito, gnat trying to get airtime during the shit years. You know what I mean? <laughs> is
0: right. there is there a little bitterness that goes with that though, where you resent Howard now, or is it? I know you say you're glad you got out, but on yeah. some level, I'm sure you must resent that because for a lot of these guys, it happened virtually for no reason. It seems.
1: Well, I was on the air for about 20 years. Um, when it happened to me, yeah, there was resentment. It's almost like a divorce because the show becomes your personality. It becomes your character and and, and the lines become blurred where that's how the whole world knows you. And in an instant, that carpet swept out from under you. And you don't even know who you are anymore. Because the world knows you as this person who Howard just killed. So it's almost like you are dead. Like you, you don't have a personality anymore. You're, you're right. just vaporized. So I would say it took about two to three years before I started not to give a shit anymore. Where I just said, you know what? i'm i'm glad it's over like i'm glad i'm out of that cult it was a cult it really is like a cult and i was glad to be away from it but it did to your point it took three years before the bitter feelings kind of faded but what so was it always
0: that way with howard where if you crossed the line you'd be fucking out because i think a lot of people point to uh marcy turk as you know, the day the Stern Show started to go downhill, a lot of other people say uh, when Artie attempted suicide, that's right. when a lot of the fans started to turn on Howard. Was there a day that it turned, or when you were kind of in the heyday, like when you were going for uh, Stuttering John's job, and in 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 that era of Stern, could you kind of see that that was in him?
1: No, I well I did, I did, but nobody else did, and I started to post things on the chat boards saying, you know, this guy is not the guy you think he is. And one of the the big things that got me banned, the biggest thing was Neil Cavuto from Fox News had me come on for an hour once and talk about serious satellite radio and what I thought the future of satellite was gonna be. This was like when Howard first got on the air there. Right. and i went off and i put i said on neil cavuto i said howard is not the guy you think he is you know we have this big fist hanging at like this righteous fist like it's going to be a revolution and it's going to be new kind of radio I said it's not going to be i said it's going to be commercials howard's going to edit the crap out of it he's going to change his image and it's not going to be the guy that you knew on terrestrial that guy would be more fun than the guy you're going to get on Sirius. And everybody said, what, "You're a traitor. He's a traitor. What a douchebag! We're so glad he's <laughs> not on the anymore." And and, th- and then the next day, Howard was so angry he went on the show for an hour just to tell Neil Cavuto what a dick I am. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? Right, but right, it right. all but it all came to be. It came to fruition. Howard became exactly the guy that I said he was going to be in two thousand seven. Oh, completely.
0: Now, here's what I'll say, uh, almost in Howard's defense, is that if someone did that to me, if someone just went on national television and shit on me and said my show's going to be shit, I would probably hate that guy also. Like, if I were Howard, I can understand him hating you. My my issue is more, like, Howard back in the day would have had you on for four hours to argue that. Whereas now, if someone does that, if Stuttering John writes a book or already goes on a podcast or whatever... It's like it never happened. It just disappears in Howard's world. He doesn't
1: want controversy. He doesn't want controversy, and he doesn't. He doesn't want shit stories. He got rid of all all those people on the show were eliminated, and I, I honestly believe I was the first banned, like seriously banned person on the show. Uh, Two thousand five, I was uh, sitting in my office, and uh, I got a phone call from the Securities Exchange Commission asking me if I would come in and, and be interviewed uh, for an investigation into serious Satellite Radio and how it's turned and insider trading. And I initially thought it was Sal, uh, the stockbroker, you know, screwing around. Yeah, so yeah. I hung up the phone. Phone come, calls back and I pick it up and he goes, no, no, this is real. I'm from the Securities Exchange Commission. We seriously need you to come in. I hung up again. So I, I uh, next day I got a fax, I'm oh, sorry, I got a FedEx package with a subpoena in it from the SEC saying I had to come in and testify before um, a, a trade committee. And I, I thought, this is ridiculous. I don't own stock in Sirius. I don't know how it's doing personally. Right. This is ridiculous. So I sent it over to Gary Del Bate, producer. He laughed and said, uh, it's, someone's pulling a prank on you. No, you know, I called Dominic Barbers, one of the guys that was a, uh, yeah, a lawyer, up. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He said he didn't call me back. Will and um, one of the other guys on the show laughed and said it's got to be a joke. So, I, I you know, I, I didn't want to mess with it. So I sent it to the um, editor of the New York Post. I knew the guy and I said, just tell me if this is real. Do, is this a, a prank or is this, do they really send you subpoenas by FedEx package?" He said fax it over to me i'll take a look so i did i didn't hear back from him it was a friday and that was the last day of howard's show before he went on vacation so saturday morning comes i go to dunkin donuts and there's the new york post with my subpoena and howard's face on, on the cover yeah. on the cover <laughs> and and like chauncey hayden is going to put Howard Stern in prison
0: right <laughs> And that's a, that's a nice friend, by the way. Hey, would you mind checking yeah. this out for me? It's on the cover of the Post the next day. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that's how that's <laughs> that's the media. That's how it works. Sure. And uh, he knew he had a big story, and he just said, "Fuck this. This is fuck Chauncey. This is a great story." <laughs> yeah. And uh, can you imagine Howard being in the, in uh, the Caribbean and he's on the beach getting a tan and gets that phone call? Hey, you might want well to look at the New York Post. Yeah, you're on the cover. Chauncey got a subpoena, and he's putting you in prison. <laughs> See, again, now again, in
0: Howard's defense, I can see being like, fuck Chauncey in that moment. But what I don't understand is, was there a conversation between you two or between you and whoever, you know, whoever,
1: Howard's handlers or whatever,
0: where you got to kind of say your piece or was it just now you're dead?
1: Nobody. And and that was where the bitter part came in, because I I didn't feel like uh, I ever betrayed him. It wasn't like I was out there trying to hurt him. I I didn't want any part of it. And uh, I gave him an opportunity and I gave Gary an opportunity to handle it. I went to them first and, and they blew it off. Right. So, so right. I, it was my life, not their life. They're not the ones that they're going to come for in handcuffs if I don't show up for uh, a subpoena. It was me. And uh, they thought it was a big joke. So in that regard, I love you, Howard, but I don't love you that much to go to jail for you. Sure. You know, yeah. I'm not that much of a pal. So he had the chance to do something he didn't, Gary didn't, his lawyers didn't, his agent didn't. So Howard got got screwed over by it. Um, He was on vacation that week, so my attorney said, look, do one interview with Fox News, tell them that you didn't do anything wrong. Uh, Tell them it's a witch hunt, Howard didn't do anything wrong, that you have no association, And, and, you know, pour water on it. And I did. I went on Neil Cavuto and I said, nope, this is ridiculous. I don't even own stock in Sirius. I have nothing to do with this. Then let me backtrack a minute. The reason why all this happened, I had a, a show on ABC News with a reporter named Gigi Stone where we would talk about celebrity news and gossip.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And during my segment, I said, she said to me, her last question was, you know, Howard, what's he going to do when his contract runs out with a... Uh, terrestrial radio and i said he's not going to xm because he uh opened out there on there and he's not going to go on xm because of that i said the only real option he has is Sirius. so i would bet the farm that's where he's going to go he's going to go to Sirius, and about three months later i'm in the studio with howard on the couch and he stops the show to announce he's going to Sirius. right so the SEC put two and two together and said, this guy what, three months ago announced this was going to happen. And now he's next to Howard when Howard announces to the world it's going to happen. This is typical insider trading. Sure. He, sent, he sent Chauncey on ABC to boost the stock, to say this is going to happen. How, how many shares did Howard buy before he made the announcement? It's illegal. He can't do right, it. Right,
2: right.
1: But they had to prove it. And it wasn't true because I didn't have any share. I would have bought shares if that was the case. Yeah. So uh, I just guessed. It was a lucky guess. So that's how it all began. And that's when I initially got banned. And then the business started and the back and forth and the hate and, the, you know, the nastiness.
0: Was Were there things on air, like while you were there, while you were part of the show, where you knew uh, this will get me banned? Or did that element not exist? Because it now exists. I think you kind of get the vibe people walk on eggshells on that show, you know, Mement, oh my God. or whoever is on there, they know not to step over
1: a certain line. Was it like I that then at all? Cause it did not no, feel like. It. That's what made the show so great. There was right. nothing you could do to get banned. I brought a dead girl's ashes on the show <laughs> right. and Howard opened the box and took the bones out and held them up for the camera. We got sued for $10 million each. There was nothing you could do to get banned. It, that's what made the show amazing. In fact. The more outrageous, the more controversial, the better it was. Howard would we give you a high five again this the show. Of course, you know it, there was nothing too, too over the top.
0: Well, you know what you know what it kind of amazes me about that is, and I'm, I believe me, I don't think Howard Stern should be canceled or you know no, no one should dig up old shit and try to apply it to today's standards but it does kind of amaze me where people got in, have gotten in trouble for a lot less than the things uh-huh. that Howard Stern has done. And he's somehow able to yeah. go on The View and claim that he's never used the N-word, which is a blatant lie. You know, He claims the Howard Stern that existed from you know, the mid eighties to 2005, he pretends that guy doesn't exist and somehow he gets away with
1: that. We did the Harlem Ho beauty pageant. We had prostitutes, black prostitutes from Harlem Come on the show with pus sores coming off their body, dripping down their skin with their pimp, and if that's not black exploitation, what is? Right. Right. uh, Going back again, we had we had my my girlfriend at the time, uh, Debbie, who died, holding up ashes on it. We did so many things that could you imagine if uh, a list star hollywood actor or politician did today back then they wouldn't be they'd be canceled they'd be gone it couldn't happen it
0: couldn't happen (laughs) there's no way
1: eliminated eliminated you never have them again but the media i don't know why i don't they let it go it's okay that howard did it howard did it so it's okay
0: do you think it's i mean so that i guess that's why i asked that is do you think he has uh, such connection with the right people Or is it just that a lot of people Grew up listening to Howard Stern And are like well I don't want to I, I mean I like that show So I don't want to get him in trouble
1: I think a lot of it has to do with the fact That everyone listened to the show And everyone yeah. laughed at what he was doing So it would be very hypocritical To say well Howard did this So let's cancel, him. let's cancel him When we were listening and laughing At the same time And I think that's where the gray area is He wasn't doing it behind a locked door, he wasn't doing it off the air. He was doing it on the air, and there were advertisers advertising on it. There was uh, a radio station and a corporation making billions on it, and there were millions upon millions of Americans listening to it. So everyone has blood on their hands. So I think that's the problem. Why do – I mean,
0: because the the picture we're kind of painting, if you were just listening to this – and had no idea who Howard Stern was, we'd kind of be painting the picture of a, a monster <laughs> and a horrible place to work. Yeah. Yet when you look at that staff, you know, from Fred, Robin, and Gary all the way down to, you know, like Will and Jason, a lot of these guys have been there for 20, 30 years. Yeah. Why do they have such loyalty to Howard if this is the way he kind of treats people? Or does he know to keep certain people uh kind of in the inner circle if they if they know
1: a lot? It's a good gig. I mean, it, right. it's not working for the Howard Stern show is not the worst thing in the world. But right. in fact, I would say now it's better than ever because you don't carry that stigma that you had before, where it might be embarrassing going to your daughter or, or, or child's parent teachers meeting after Howard was throwing baloney on you know (laughs) strip his asses now it's not that that stigma anymore so what does Will and and those guys and Jason and Gary and Sal what do they really have to do there's not that much there's not that much going on so they go there they get a paycheck and they come home and it's an easy gig and they're working for Howard
0: so you think it's kind of just lack of ambition because I've always wondered especially with like I mean Robin I don't particularly find her crazy talented but i think there are things she could have done in the business at least gotten an opportunity and everyone talks about i'm not from the the stern generation where fred was really in his heyday so i don't know that the genius that a lot of people talk about but when you hear people talk about fred norris they talk about this comedic genius and it makes me wonder why did he just never want did he have no ambition and not want to be
1: more than the sound guy it's it's not their comedic genius it's howard's comedic genius right there there was chemistry, he found chemistry with those people. Whatever reason, when Howard sat down behind the mic with Robin behind the glass and Fred and Jackie there, Howard felt at ease. He felt uh, a chemistry that only he can explain. It was there, you know? Was Ringo the most talented drummer?
0: No, but it worked. But it worked. Yeah.
1: So, so um, that, that's the way it, it went. And that's probably why they haven't gone anywhere. You know, Robin has a great radio voice, but but she's too typecast. She's Robin Quivers of the Howard Stern show. And it's always beat by. And by the way, she did try to do other things and it didn't work. She she uh, tried to do a talk show. She had a deal, I believe, with ABC and it failed and never right. made it on the air. Uh, they all tried, uh, Fred was trying to do his music, and he had his band, and, and he was trying to, you know, do other things. But the, the bread and butter was always Howard Stern. Yeah. And so why, why walk away from a gig that's paying your mortgage, you know? Right, right, right. Wh- who
0: there, or um, where did it start, I guess, is what I'm wondering. Because I know you said you kind of called it first. But... Was it the Jimmy Kimmel factor? Like what led to him wanting to be around these celebrities so badly? I know a lot of people say Marcy Turk as well. I don't know if you have any insight into that. No,
1: he he always did. This was a dream of Howard from day one. Howard never really wanted to be the guy that has the freaks and the whack pack on the show. He didn't want that. But he didn't think he had a choice. It was a guy who was like six four, six five, whatever he is, maybe even taller. Yeah. And, and he, he wasn't uh, what you would call eye candy. It's a funny yeah, looking a gawky, guy. Gawky,
0: awkward guy. Gawky,
1: yeah. awkward. It, n- he was never going to be a part of Hollywood. He was never going to be that accepted guy. What would he? What would he do? He didn't have a face for TV. So right. he found his his niche was to mock himself and to mock others. And people related to it and they laughed. But that's not what he wanted. He wanted to be uh, uh, George Clooney's best friend. He really did. That's what he wanted. And when he got so rich, when he made so much money uh, at Sirius, where... Hollywood, the, the, the uh, entertainment elite, had no choice but to embrace him because money means power. And nobody, nobody was making more than Howard Stern. Right. He became the most powerful guy in the entertainment business. That will win you friends. It will win you the right kind of friends. So he bought his way into the club. But he, he, he always wanted it. He just couldn't have it.
0: Was there ever an appreciation from him of what people were giving him on radio because i always so howard stern his greatest talent in my opinion is yeah. being able to find any character anyone could have walked into that studio and howard could have found what was most entertaining about them and draw that out of them and that's an unbelievable talent that very few people in radio history have had right. the way howard right. howard has but it also seemed like he had no appreciation for the fact that uh, while he is making you into a star, you are kind of doing, you're putting your personal life out there. You know, there is a sacrifice you're making.
1: Was, was he ever first, appreciative of that? Right. It was the first reality show. Yeah. The yeah. Howard Stern yeah. show was the first reality show. It, it, it really was. Completely. Um. I, you know, you said something that I don't totally agree with. I have to He couldn't take anyone and make them a star. He really couldn't. He could, but if you had, he, he'd have to see it in you. He'd have to see something. Right, yeah, yeah. No, so I wouldn't say that anyone could come in there and he could find something in them. But if you had it, if there was something in there, he would, he would find, find it. it. Right, that's a better yeah, way yeah. to say it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but it was a reality, it was a reality show. And, and I remember one time, you know, I was in a, a, a pub in New Jersey and, and this girl came up to me and she said, you know, I hear you on Howard Stern all the time. And uh, you know, I got that all the time. It, and she said, "But um, like, can I ask you a question? Why, why do you let him humiliate you? Why, what, yeah. what? Why, why do you go on the air and and say the things you do, and let him say those th- say the things he says to you in front of so many people? Aren't, aren't isn't it embarrassing? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, to this day, I remember her asking me that, and it made me think a lot. And the answer is." you're kind of signing your, your name in blood, you know?
0: Yeah, or you How, have an understanding but, of what you're doing. You know, you know that yeah. that's what you're signing up for. Yeah.
1: Right, right. I, I mean, I have to think of what I got for doing that. What did he get and what did I get? I know, I know what he got and I do know what I got. My my magazine was a, 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 a newsprint, shit, penny saver. That's what yeah. it was. You know when you go to the supermarket and you see little classified magazines?
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's what it was. Right. And I started putting celebrities on the cover and uh, trying to sell ads to bars and restaurants. I think we were 16 pages when I started on the Howard Stern Show. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: In the mid-2000s, we were 130 pages, billing over $2 million a year. Oh, wow. And that was all because of Howard Stern. Every single... Person in so I guess I, I guess you could
0: say that's the appreciation. Like he doesn't have to sh- he doesn't have to thank you, but but you kind of get that out of it. Does that make sense? We, we,
1: we both we both got something from right, it. We, exactly. we, we, we both he got he got his, his his entertainment, and I got what I needed from it. Every time he mentioned stepping up, an ad on the Howard Stern show we, in his heyday was something like a uh, million dollars for a minute, right? <laughs> right. Right. Know, for a national ad spot uh i was getting in my magazine stepping out said 20 times a morning (laughs) yeah right how do you put how do you quantify that well that's
0: i mean you've heard comedians talk about it It was the greatest place ever like you could do four thousand radio shows in des moines iowa (laughs) to try and promote a gig or you could do howard stern once and everyone in the fucking
1: country knows about it Exactly. Exactly. I'd be a fool not to do it. I was honored to do it. I was I was so happy to do it, and, and there was nothing, nothing that could be too outrageous. I remember one time, uh, there was a penis episode where I literally broke my penis. Uh, there was, <laughs> it's called Peroni's disease. Okay. Same, same thing happened to Dennis Rodman actually, and it's when your penis breaks when you have an erection, it breaks in half. And and it's a terrible thing to have happen. I can imagine it. Howard was so fascinated by this. He couldn't believe it. He he thought it was bullshitting. So he asked me to come in and have Robin, who's a registered nurse in real life, have Robin examine it. So I actually went on the show. I'm a journalist. Whipped my my dick out and let Robin play around with it for about (laughs) a minute. And explain, uh, describing to Howard what it looked like and if it indeed... Had symptoms of Peroni's disease. Yeah. Who does that? <laughs> you know, I have a mom and dad at home, my brothers, you know, right. and, and they're hearing, man, your brother Chauncey whooped his dick out on Stern today and to playing <laughs> with his balls. You know, that's it's rough, but yeah. that's the kind of stuff I did, you know, with no so do you, I, I get I,
0: I've always been curious about this because I listen to, uh, like, Artie Lang over the years. And I, some believe me, some of this is influenced by drugs, I'm sure, on some level. But yeah. he's always had this weird kind of conflict where uh, he'll go on a podcast and trash Howard. And then, you know, a few weeks later, he'll kind of talk awesome. about how it was the greatest experience of his life. And he loved him. And it was a father to him. Yeah. Is there an element of that with everyone, I wonder? Because I know, like I said, Artie's got his issues. But is there an element of that like that you've experienced, where you kind of love Howard for everything he did for you, but you also hate the way it ended, and you hate the way that maybe you were treated afterwards?
1: That's a great question, and it's well put. and, And the answer is yes. Yeah, Absolutely. There, there are days I hate that motherfucker. I hate him, <laughs> and I can't talk. I can't do enough bald shows about him. The you know podcast I talk about baldness, and AI, come on talk about how you know he's bald. Yeah. I, I can't I can't not stop picking digs at him when the opportunity presents. But at the same time, I love him. Like if I if I met Howard Stern in an elevator today. And we were both in there alone. I would say, thank you. I would. I would say yeah. Howard, that was a great 20 years. Thank you so much. Thank you. I don't, I don't regret anything he did. I don't regret anything I did. Uh, I hate him and I love him. And that's that's true.
0: I imagine it's got to be tough because I hear, I mean, I've heard a lot of guys, whether it's uh, Jackie or Artie or stuttering yeah. John or whoever, where they kind of have that, where they'll they'll trash him sometimes and they'll appreciate him sometimes. And yeah. you kind of get labeled as either, uh, you know, an unappreciative a- or a <laughs> ball washer who's afraid to attack Stern. <laughs> but I imagine it's got to be tough to work out in your mind.
1: Well, here's the problem with a lot of guys, a lot of former Stern guys that I don't personally have. A lot of these guys are still in the business. A lot of the guys from... Uh, the uh, stern tv sure are still yeah. in the business they they can't if they go out there and trash howard stern they they're not gonna they're not gonna get jobs they're not gonna work Howard's powerful and a lot of people are loyal to howard stern and if you start trashing him you're gonna have a very difficult time working in the radio entertainment tv industry it's not oh, gonna sure. be there well i, the- I personally don't give a shit
0: it, it's funny. The reason I kind of became uh, an O and A fan when I was a kid versus Stern is because of uh, hearing the stories about how uh, Opie and Anthony were kind of the one show that went up against Howard that Howard didn't absolutely destroy. You know, everyone else that went up against Howard, it was a brutal beating when brutal. Howard got a hold of
1: him. Well, he, yeah, he was definitely he was definitely. Uh, intimidated by Opie and Anthony because they weren't playing by the rules. They right. didn't show the respect or fear that they should have, that right. he thought they should have, and they had the numbers to back it up. That was the scary part. A lot of guys had big mouths and, you know, the Bella in Philadelphia, you know, uh, who are the guys? Mark and Brian out in California. They 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 had big mouths on turn, but they didn't have the ratings to scare Stern. Opie and Anthony actually had were digging into his bottom line, right, business and. well, They're the thing, them. so
0: that that's what fascinated me is uh, finding out, because O&A were the only ones that ever really talked about this, but finding out some of the stuff that went on behind the scenes, where when they both worked for CBS, when O&A were on in afternoons, on NEW, and Howard yeah. was obviously on in the mornings, uh, Howard worked behind the scenes to try and silence them, which would mm. be, I mean, I was only, you know, nine years old at the time, but would right. have been my first inkling that okay, this is not the guy that he's pretending to be. He's not Mr. Free Speech, uh, Mr. You know, oh, everyone no. should have a voice and be able to say what they want. He's not that at all.
1: Not at all. No, he, he's not. That, that, that's, that's what a lot of listeners later on found out, that Howard was not the guy that you were hearing every morning. He, he tapped into a formula. He knew what listeners wanted to hear. He knew how to um, market himself to the public. Yeah. to present himself a certain way that people embraced. But no, no way is that Howard. He, he was, Howard was a millionaire going back to the NBC days. Howard, Howard couldn't relate to, to any any listener. Howard was a very wealthy, rich, powerful man for a good portion mm-hmm. of, of the last 30, 40 years. So there, there was none of that. but But he knew how to play it. Uh, what Opie and Anthony did, they called them out on it and no one did that before and he, they really did call them, because they did have the goods, they they were getting uh, other guests, they were getting celebrities on their show that would tell them inside stuff about Stern they had the same boss at certain points where they were sharing, you know the same guy signing a check, Mel you know, would Opie yeah, right. and Anthony you know, you can't, you can't say this anymore, you can't talk about how it's kids anymore you can't do this I, I, now, imagine telling Howard Stern that. Imagine telling Howard Stern that you can't say this about Chauncey anymore. You can't, right, mention, right, right. You can't mention this about his bald head anymore. He doesn't like it. But and it's kind that. of amazing
0: that, I mean, he's a brilliant guy, but doesn't... Acknowledge that hypocrisy, you know.
1: No, he, he doesn't care. You know, it's not that he hasn't it. He oh, okay.
0: Care. He's aware of it.
1: He yeah, he's aware of it. He hasn't given shit. And in fact, he embraces it. Yeah, he, yeah, knows yeah. He's a, he knows he's a hypocrite. He, he he lives in a giant fortress of a mansion, you know, that you couldn't get within a mile of. How, how it's like a Michael Jackson of 2021. He really hasn't become Michael Jackson. Like right. he's kind of a freak. He he, he became a parody of himself. He, he really is. I think that's the best way to put it. He's a parody of himself now.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the, actually, the, that kind of leads me to a guy I did want to bring up briefly. I Obviously, I have a lot to ask you about Opie and Anthony and a couple more things about Stern. But one guy I wanted to ask you about yeah. is a guy that a lot of people say Howard has become. Like, he went after Don Imus forever, Yeah. and now he's kind of become – like, if he, there are clips – Where you go back and listen, and all the things he's criticizing Don Imus for, you know, a younger wife, the long, silly hair, all that type of shit. Yeah. That's Howard now. Yeah. So was his rivalry with Imus out? I don't know anything about Imus. You hear all kinds of shit. I'll tell you what it was.
1: I'll tell you exactly what it was. How it was jealousy. Howard wanted to be Imus. He, He was mocking Imus for was his anger for what he didn't have. Right. You know, and, and he, it's the same thing with the celebrities when he would call Chevy up at home and and and, and harass him or he, he would pray that so and so died or, you know, wh- whatever he did with these A-list celebrities to, to anger them. It was all because he hated them because of who they yeah. were and yeah. he couldn't beat them. He, he never stopped trying. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. He never stopped trying to be what Imus was, what these A-list celebrities were. And when he achieved it, and he did achieve it eventually, it's serious, he didn't care if the listeners thought he was hypocrite. He, he, he climbed Mount Everest, he made it. He didn't give a crap what anybody said. He's not going to hear your voice or my voice. And he, he happens to do hear it. And what is it? Big deal.
2: Right. He's
1: got a model wife, he's a trillionaire, mm-hmm. and people are throwing billions at him every weekend doesn't give a shit right but and that's why he lost his fans
0: it's so funny too because i the the picture i have in my head of imus is because a lot of things that i heard howard stern say about him now obviously the big I, when you look back at imus now the big thing was probably uh, the nappy headed hose comment but before yeah. that everything you knew of Imus is because Howard said he's this racist piece of shit. Do you know anything about him? Was he that guy or was it kind of just Howard needling him? Was Imus racist? Was I,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Is the I, question. I, listen, I'll tell you a great story. And this might, answer, this might answer your question. So I went to see the Grateful Dead at the Meadowlands one, one year back, back in the, uh, the, the late nineties, mid nineties. And, uh, it was when they played the Meadowlands. I think it was like twenty straight nights, and uh, it was like it was like a Bohemian Woodstock with campsites and all. The, everybody's doing acid, and we're we're pulling out of the parking lot. Me and my buddy, and these two girls are hitchhiking. We pull pull over and pick them up. So they say they live in Central Jersey. So I, I'm like, fuck it, we'll give you a ride. We'll give you a ride home. Mm-hmm. The one girl turns out to be. Tony Imus, his daughter. <laughs> okay. And, and I'm like, wait a minute, you're she's she's telling us all about her dad. Like, say, wait, you're the daughter of Don Imus. And she's like, Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my God. I go, this is insane. I got a okay. million questions for you. I go, what is your dad like? Like, what, what is he like for real? She goes, he's a piece of shit, he's a racist, he's a scumbag. I hate him. Wow. I can't wait for him to die. He's the worst human being you'd ever want to know. And that was from his daughter. Okay. Who, uh, so that that's how any information I had about Don Amos came from his daughter. And that's what she said to me.
0: Okay. Yeah, because, you know, that, that's the thing is where I heard, you've heard that story that uh, Robin has told about Imus using the N-word and things. But then because of what Howard's kind of become, it's like, well, should I even... Trust that. So that's interesting that you have that totally separate experience.
1: Yeah, totally separate from the Stern show. It was yeah. just a freak thing where I picked up his daughter and uh, she was blabbing about her dad. That's yeah. wild. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, one more thing about Stern before I get to uh, O&A. And that's, I wonder why, if you, and maybe you have no insight into this because it's uh, current day Stern. But yeah. I do wonder why... Um, uh, I, I remember here, like, so Gilbert Godfrey's banned from the show, right? And, yeah. Seemingly just because he's not their type of guy anymore?
1: Well, yes and no. Initially, Gilbert was trying to get... Gilbert used to have a free pass. He didn't have to even call. He could just show up to the studio right. and get money out. He'd do the news with Howard. He, he didn't have to call Gary. A, a long time went by, and, and uh, Gary wasn't having him on. So... Uh, It's true what you said. One time, Gilbert called uh, Gary and said, "So what's the deal? You know, level with me. Why why can't he get on the show anymore?" And Gary said, "You're not the kind of guest we're looking for anymore. You don't fit the new format." But what got Gilbert wasn't banned at that point. What got Gilbert banned is then he went and told everybody he could tell that that's what Gary said to Gilbert when you when you spill your guts about what something is said to you in private. You're banned. Yeah. As soon as you do that. So he he, he went on Artie's uh podcast and, and talked about it. He, he talked about it on a lot of shows. And yeah, I've he heard did, I've
0: heard him speak about it a little bit.
1: Yeah, you're never gonna get back on after that. yeah But the interesting
0: so the part I'm focusing on is more the first half of that, where Gary tells him, uh, like you're not our kind of comic anymore. We'd prefer Chelsea Handler and Sarah Silverman for something Was reason. it big enough? Yeah, so he's, he or, or he's not big enough, yeah. Um, but then I wonder, like, why are Richard and Sal still there? Because you'll hear, you'll, if you ever check into Stern, which I don't really, but once yeah. in a while I'll, I'll come across a clip where, you know, Richard and Sal wear a diaper for a week and they weigh it. Yeah. And sh- like, they still try to do wacky old time Stern stuff that doesn't feel natural anymore. But we my question of- is, why yeah. even, why not just get rid of that and become a celebrity interview show?
1: Because he he's he hasn't a hundred percent committed to being just a one-hour interview. Right. He still needs for his own comfort, his own buffer zone. He still wants to when he when he feels like it, when he needs some sort of uh, resemblance of what the Stern Show was that made it popular. He doesn't have to search for it. He doesn't have to do any hard work. He just has to hit a button. And two monkeys come into the room and, and, and put on underwear and pee in their pants, kiss each other, grab each other's balls and leave. Yeah. So you'll, you'll get that, that thirst for the old Stern is there at a push of a button when he, when he needs it. It's so and, fascinating
0: and that, when I, when I hear that he resigns with Sirius, I'm like, why, why not just do an interview show? I don't get it. <laughs>
1: Well, he'd be blowing up his brand completely then. And quite honestly, I don't think he has the confidence to do that. I, I think Howard Stern is probably one of the least uh, secure people in all entertainment. Even though It's so weird
0: does. because he's blown up his brand. It's so odd that he doesn't see it that way.
1: He, I think he hates himself, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, I think he looks in the mirror and he hates what he sees. I, I do. I think he hates, he has a lot of guilt about a lot of things he did. You, you might have heard he went on that apology tour. There was, there, right. was, there was a couple of, of months where he called every celebrity he ever trashed people he felt he, he, he hurt and he was calling them up begging for forgiveness. Can you imagine? I, all I can picture is a scene from Cool Hand Luke when he's digging the <laughs> hole in the dark and he goes, I'm sorry, boss. I got my mind right, boss. I, I picture how he started saying, I got my mind right. right. Chevy, Chevy, I got my mind right, Chevy. I got my mind right. Is that,
0: is that the kind of, was it like Chevy Chase and Ellen DeGeneres and these people we always right. hear about?
1: Yeah. Roseanne, oh. Ellen, Chevy, Sylvester Stallone, uh, David Lee. There's there's such a list of celebrities I used to rag on that are now his best friends. Rosie O'Donnell, Kathy Lee. The list is long, and he apologized to every one of them and begged them for forgiveness. That's, so that's, a, that's the hero of, of uh, Stern fans. Oh, no,
0: no uh, If you went back to 1991
1: and told someone uh, that that's
0: the guy, they no one would believe you.
1: Imagine telling Howard in 1991 next the guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Be, it's 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 mind boggling. But then again, think how long ago 1999, uh, 1991 was. Sure. Was a really long time ago. We're all getting old. We're all dying. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, you-
0: that's the. I was born in '91, so yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago, literally. Yeah, you but- were born in
1: '91. I was doing the show in '88.
0: Yeah, well, that's my so that's my whole thing with Howard. I guess that's a good place to mo- spot to move on to O and A. But last yeah. thing on Howard is yeah. that's my whole thing with him is of course he's not the same guy. He's what in his sixties now. Late sixties. Late sixties. So of course he's not the same guy he was when he was thirty five or twenty one. It would be
1: creepy. It would, it would be, be insane. Yeah, but a sixty seven year old guy was talking about jerking off. You know, in the closet. Yeah. Who, who would want to hear that? It wouldn't make any pubes, sense. <laughs> pubes and the whole
0: thing. Up, Especially you know, in this, you know, current climate we live in. But yeah, the, my issue is, that. and I think a lot of fans' issues are, it didn't happen naturally. It was one day, that just ended. And well, it he might,
1: pretends it, it doesn't happen. It, it might seem that way. It might seem it happened overnight, but it didn't. It, I mean, it really happened with me. It happened with me when I was banned. For causing controversy, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, true, true. So uh, 10 years before that, oh my God, you gotta see what what Chauncey did today. Get Chauncey on the phone. It would have been like, it would have been that. Yeah. But then, Howard, with me, there was no call, there was no mention. It was just erase him. Right. So now
0: we get to where I learned who you were. And I was like, this motherfucker, Chauncey hated
2: (laughs) because.
0: Of I this. I, I assume if I'm talking to I would assume, you know, because this is the only dealing I know of you having with them, unless there were others. But yeah, I'm thinking of, of right? the uh, the Bam Margera sex tape thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 Can
0: you give me any insight into that? Because that seems yeah. like a weird one where everyone in the ONA a world says that the, that tape does not exist. Well, sorry, I, I guess I'll backtrack for the listeners. Uh, you reported a story that I believe Ben Sparks gave to you. Is that correct?
1: Uh, no, Ben's box didn't give it to me. It was given to me by, um, oh, the, 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 uh, producer, um, the other producer. Rick Delgado? Rick Delgado, yeah.
0: Okay. So Rick Delgado tells you that, uh, there's a, a sex tape, um, with Bam Margera and Opie's wife or it's Opie's soon to be wife. I don't know if they were married at the time. Mm, um, yeah. and that got reported in Stepping Out. And
1: Opie no. was fucking oh, no, that, furious. That, that's, that, that's where the story is so wrong. Oh, okay. It's I'm just, sorry. I, let me tell you what happened. Please. This is the, I only speak the truth. So you're, you won't hear Opie's crazy version. No, he's He'll, good. Go, go, go ahead. You know what really happened? So so I did an interview with Rick Delgado for stepping out, and he, it was right when he got fired from uh, ONA so he was pretty bitter and he did a, it was a great interview but he really laid into Opie and Anthony he talked about the infighting they're having how they don't get along how crazy Opie is mm-hmm. so I that I published and, and that really stirred Opie up he was really yeah. bitter
0: and I, I'll, I, I'll say this in your defense now we're 20 years later or whatever 15 years later that yeah. all seems to be very true that now that's what even Anthony and Jim Norton say about Opie
1: Oh yeah, everything was true. Right, uh, but they couldn't. They couldn't come out and say that at the time. You know, they they still got to hold it together and have a radio show. Yeah, and, and that's my job to do an interesting story. It was a great story. So, um, at the end of the interview, you know, off the record, he goes. By the way, you know, I don't know if you you know this, but uh, Opie's fiance slept with. BAM from MTV. And I said, oh my God, I don't believe that. I said, where'd you hear that? He goes from Ben Sparks. That's <laughs> right. Okay. So, so yeah, so Ben Sparks did start it, but right. he didn't tell me uh, rectum. So I'm like, so do you have any proof? He goes, well, he goes, there's a, C, there's a BAM CD and on the CD there's a hidden egg and the, you can see it. You can watch the sex tape on this egg on the CD. Okay. So I said to him, "All right." I said, "If you get me that CD, show it to me, and I'm gonna look and see if a I
0: DVD." Can... You mean? I'm assuming.
1: What's that? Like a DVD? DVD I'm assuming. A DVD, yeah. Okay. DVD. Yeah. So, so, um, so he goes, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to Ben see if I can get it for you." So now, I, I at the time I was a freelancer for Page Six, and uh, with Richard Johnson for the New York Post. So I call up the New York Post, Page Six, and I'm like. You know, someone just told me that Bam and Opie from the Opie and Anthony show's fiance have a, a sex tape on Bam's DVD. And they said, we heard the same thing. And I'm guessing they heard it from Ben Spark. Yeah, <laughs> they okay. probably called page six. Yep. So they're like, we heard the same thing. Do you have any proof? I said, no, I was calling you to see if you knew about it, and have proof. They said, we don't. I said, well, someone's sending me this DVD I'm going to watch it and I'm going to, I'll let you know what i see on it. They said, perfect. They said, well, you know, let's compare notes. When you get to, when you get the uh, DVD, let's mm-hmm. talk and, and we'll work a story around we'll make it we're, we're a big story. I said, awesome. So that's whatever. That was like a Wednesday. The next day, in the New York Post in page six, it says, Chauncey Hayden says to page six that there's a sex tape with oh, and MTV, TV. I never printed anything. Right. I, I, I would never do that without seeing it. So, But they're crediting the story to me. And I guess they thought they could cover their ass that way because they're saying, well, Chauncey told they us. Didn't
0: say it, yeah.
1: They didn't say it. Chauncey said it. Right. But they have no proof of me saying it. It's not in writing. It's not in print. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, It's just me and them talking. It's not something that they're pulling off out of a magazine. But Opie goes on, the next morning, Opie goes ballistic saying that he's going to sue me for printing this. And I'm thinking, I never printed it. What are you talking about? How how are you going to sue me for printing something I never printed? Right. Like, how? You're going to sue me because I asked page six if they heard about the same story that I heard? That, that's <laughs> that's defamation. <laughs> right. I know that's two people bullshitting, asking if the story's true. Right. That's what we're supposed to do, in fact, is ask if it's true, not to print it, which is exactly what I did. And Opie went on this tirade for weeks and weeks. He's suing me. And he did sue me. He sued me for $10 million. And um, it was crazy. It, it got thrown out. The first lawsuit was thrown out. He went to the Supreme Court and got it put back into the courts.
2: Really,
1: and our um, our attorney was Darnay Hoffman, who was the same attorney for. Do you know who Bernard Getz is? Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. the subway vigilante.
1: The, yeah, he was yeah. the um, vigilante, and he also he, he was the attorney for the Mayflower Madam, who was the big celebrity uh, prostitute that uh, had a pimp in New York that okay. had a very high profile case so this guy Darnay says i'm gonna represent you in this you know no fee i'm not gonna charge anything but we're gonna get in all the papers and i know you, i can win this for you and he's like he's like this peter fork kind of lawyer but a big belly with spaghetti stains on and, I, and i'm like oh, i don't know he's like no no i'll get you off so we're going to all these depositions with opie and his, his fiance. And we're filming her. I actually filmed her just to bust the balls because you can film depositions. Mm-hmm. So I paid for cameras to film everything she said. And, and they were so wacky and and he, Darnay's not saying anything. He's not saying anything on my behalf. I'm like, what are you doing? I go, they're everything they're saying is a lie. He goes, that's all right. I want them to think I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then just when they think they won, watch what I do. And he kept doing that for like a year. Like when, oh. when did we switch to Reno? When's the old switch <laughs> Oh, it never came. $10 million. When did we, when did we throw that, you know, the right hand punch? And it's like, it's coming. It's coming. It never came. It never came. Oh, but, Jesus Christ. But, but we won. We won. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I won. Yeah. I won the case, but I knew I was going to win because he couldn't present anything that I printed. Cause I never printed anything. And, uh, and not only that, but I learned a lot about defamation, because even if I did print it, you can still say it, even if it's a lie. Yeah,
0: they say it's crazy hard to prove defamation.
1: They have to prove uh, a loss in wages. Uh, right. There's so much proof of evidence of being defamed and hurt that it's nearly impossible, especially when you're in the public eye. It's right. nearly impossible. That's why celebrities a lot of times have been bothered soon, because they're not going to win um so anyway i won the case that night darnay hoffman took a steak knife and shoved into his heart and killed himself
0: oh jesus christ
1: (laughs) yeah you can look it up it's on it's on google he shoved a steak knife right in his heart and killed himself. the night night we won i was gonna i wanted to come over with a bottle of champagne and he's laying in the bathroom dead (laughs) (laughs) that's what
0: jesus christ well at least it's got a happy ending that story he went
1: out with a winner yeah he went out winning (laughs) that's Um, true how crazy is that story? But yeah, Opie. So Opie hated me. Hey, and the more he hated me, the more I enjoyed it. And then I just started writing about him. I was yeah. just—that's what I was going to
0: ask you. I was oh. like, does that lead to you really digging in
1: Oh yeah, I, I. It was so much fun because I I knew I knew at this point I owned them I owned them, and I knew all I had to do was call him asshole. I had a call called all the week. And once a month, he was my asshole of the week.
2: Yeah. And,
1: and I, would, I would even purposely like type things that were wrong that he had that made him read it because he had to correct it. So I knew how to make him read it on the air. So you go, oh, yeah, Charles. well, this is wrong. <laughs> he said, yeah, went, yes. <laughs> got, like, <clears throat> oh, my God, it was so much fun. I and can I imagine because
0: really, by all accounts, he was one of the easiest guys to agitate and one of the biggest babies in radio, did you like?
1: Uh, yeah, he was. Have you experienced
0: oh, someone like that? Because some of the no. stories
1: are wild. Well, well, do you remember the initial story that really got him to hate me?
0: Where Can I he, guess? Because I think was it? Yes. Was it yes. the Wow thing that he invented? Yes.
1: Wow. Okay. Yes. So for I was I was um, I was hired by Penthouse Magazine to do a big feature story on Opie and Anthony. Yeah. So I go to the studio to interview them for Penthouse. And great interview, you know, wrap it up, turn my recorder off. And I go back to the office to uh, write it up. The second I get to my office, the phone rings. It's Opie. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Opie, what's up? He goes, hey, man, everything's good. I just got, I just got this one problem about the interview today. I'm like, what, what, what is it? He goes, you know, remember when you asked me and, and uh, Ant about who started Wow? I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, and answered the question. And Ant said, we invented it and whatever the, how we did it. Yeah. He said that uh, he says that all the time. And he's always the one to answer that question. He said, do you, would you mind doing a little editing? He said, because it's not true. And didn't invent. Wow. I invented it. It was my, my thing. And, and, and I gave it to the opening ant show when, you know, when we were on the air, but I never get credit for the guy that came up with it. So, would you change the answer to Opie answers it and says, Oh, yeah, I came up with wow, you know? And I didn't even have a problem with it. I said, I, Listen, I said, I don't care. I, I really don't care. I said, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. do it. And I changed it. I changed it. Well, one day on the Stern show, he was talking about Opie and Anthony. And, you know, he was looking for a reason to get on the air. I said, Oh, what a great story this is. I got it. I, you know, I got it. Sure. I got to tell Howard. <laughs> I said, Howard, I got the best Opie and Anthony story. You know, I just interviewed him for Penthouse. And then Howard starts doing his riff about Penthouse, about the whole thing. And I, I tell him the story. You know, Opie made me change the wow question. And Opie went and seen. He knows it's true. He knows it's true. But to listen to him go on and on, that I'm a dirty journalist. I'm a liar. He can prove I'm a liar. <laughs> and, oh. and I'm like, I said, Opie, Why would I change it? Then why why did I change it? Why in Penthouse does it say you invented it? Did I just decide when I got back to the office to take- To orchestrate
0: this entire- Yeah, yeah. I would
1: would just orchestrate this and decide, no, I bet you Opie really invented it. And I'm going to change it. I where did that even come from? And you know, it's funny. Last year, I did Anthony's show podcast- Mm -hmm. and we had such a good time and and we talked a lot about it and he told me he said chauncey i knew the whole time that you weren't lying he goes i knew you were telling the truth he goes but i couldn't do anything you know we still had a show together
0: yeah it's such a wild relationship those two have because it seemed like opie was almost an, you know an abusive husband in a way an abusive spouse (laughs) because everyone was so afraid
1: to talk about him yeah he was crazy he was crazy (laughs) And, and uh even the thing with my chick, when he would go, my, Chauncey's, you know, it's making my chick upset. My, yeah. my chick, man. Yeah. Who says my chick? Oh, I heard, yeah, 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 I never heard anybody say that. My chick. <laughs> like, even my chick, man. Yeah. And, and what, on, on YouTube, the greatest thing is when he's reading the one article I wrote about him and Anthony starts, and oh, and uh, Norton start busting his balls, and he storms out of the studio. It's one of the funniest fights you'll ever hear.
0: Oh, it's great. Don't needle me. He gets all obsessed.
1: <laughs> I'm having a, a moment here. I'm have a moment. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's like a comedy radio. And that's the other thing oh. is that the amazing thing about him asking you to change who, I, I Invented Wow is right. like, even if that's true, let's say Opie came up with it and Anthony took credit for it. Yeah. The entirety of the Opie and Anthony show is because of Anthony and Jimmy. Like, Opie Opie certainly had his value, but the comedic value was entirely Anthony and Jimmy. So why not let that one slide, you know?
1: Jimmy and Ancho would have been very good. Right. (laughs) You know, if Opie stopped showing up. And and it's such a petty thing. What made it funny is that it's such a petty thing. Right, right, right. With all the millions they made and all the success they had as a team to have to call me up. To say change his answer to I, but if that's not telling into someone's personality, think how crazy, how sick that is.
0: It's a, it's a Ooh. it's a big insecurity thing,
1: yeah. It's a crazy thing. It's a crazy thing, and then to go on a total rant that's a lie. When he, no- I mean, if he would have said, if he would have said, oh, I got busted, he goes, it would have been funnier if he would have said to Ant on his radio show at the time, ah, uh, Chauncey outed me. Yeah. I did, I did do that. I had a moment I of insecurity.
0: Get, yeah, you I got it.
1: I, I, I regretted doing it. I knew I should have done it. It would have been funnier. It would have been funnier. Yeah, Opie,
0: Opie but, never had that, like, make fun of myself mentality. The no, you couldn't guys, do
1: yeah, it. Guys did. Ant could do it. Norton could do it. Stern yeah. could do it. We all could do it. Part right. of what made radio fun was when you could be self-deprecating. Everybody can relate to that, right? <laughs> but, was it uh, known? Opie. Was it known in the business
0: how much uh, Opie and Anthony hated each other internally? Because I feel not like, as a fan, I, that was kind of a surprise when that all came out.
1: Not until I started writing about it. Not until right. I did the Rick Delgado uh, interview, and I think that was that's why all the Opie fans hated me. It would just be like the Stern Show when I first started attacking Stern in two thousand and five. I got hate mail and threats and death threats yeah. because it's like a religion. The fan base is, is like a cult. So <laughs> when you go against the the, 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 you know, heroes, you're in big trouble. Oh, of course. Yeah.
0: But Hey, you're the, you're the first on the forefront, my friend. You're always the first
1: to outstern out
0: Opie. You're the guy.
1: I love it. I love it. And it wasn't <laughs> just with them, my whole career, you know, with so many celebrities, I got, I'm not really proud of this, but I got Jim Brewer five from Saturday night live. How and sad I, did that have? I like oh, Jim Why are you doing God, that? Man, disaster. So, so I did an interview with Jim Brewer. And I said to him, it was the week that Rolling Stone magazine came out with the cover of SNL, the cast on the cover.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he wasn't on it. There was a, a few of them didn't make it on the cover. And I said to Jim, I go, so how do you feel about not making the cover of Rolling Stone and yet almost the entire cast is on there, except Goat Boy? And Joe Pesci, you know, you're you're one of the most popular characters on the show, and you're right. not on the cover. What? Were you sick today? Were you sick of the day to shoot? Like what happened? <laughs> yeah. He goes, oh my god. He goes, I'm so I'm so heartbroken over that. He goes, I'm heartbroken. He goes, I blame Lauren Michaels. Lauren Michaels fucked some of us. He fucked us. He said we shouldn't have, we should have been on the cover. He said he for every reason he doesn't like us, and he, he 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 took us off the cover. And you know, he's a douchebag. And he's doing an interview, take yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so I did, I wrote the interview, published it, and then <laughs> next day, in page six, big headline Goat Boy, you know, Rams, Lauren Michaels, or something along those okay. lines. <laughs> and it's a whole story about everything he said. And, and, and Jim Brewer calls me up and goes, Man, you fucked me, you fucked me. I said, How? Well, you yeah, guys, what did he think you were gonna this, do? <laughs> this was your answer. We weren't sitting at a bar and not come up to you at a pub right. and say, Can we have a beer? And you just Yeah, he knew that. he was
0: being inter- interviewed. It well, wasn't he, like an off-the-record. Yeah. Like, this, yeah.
1: this is your answer. You know, I'm not <laughs> a publicist, I'm not here to, to make sure you don't get in trouble. Right. There you go. No. So Lauren Michaels uh, secretary calls my office and asks for a copy of the interview. And so he asked for a fax of it. So we faxed it over, and the next day he got fired. Jesus Christ. Do you ever do you ever
0: regret any of that? Because sometimes there's some times where I'll pipe up about someone and give, you know, my true feelings or make a joke that I think is funny or whatever, and the person gets mad. And I kind of I tend to back away and I get criticized for that because it's me kind of being a pussy. But also in my mind, I'm like, well, I didn't want to upset the person either you know like I am it's kind of half being fake but it's also like I didn't want to get this react do do you ever struggle with that or did you Mm. full-on love being a shitster
1: no I struggled with it I I, in fact I struggle with it to this day I feel I I was you know I did over 3,000 celebrity interviews over a 30-year career and a lot of them hurt people a lot of them did I even had a gossip column for the New York Daily News for a while Mm -hmm. Um, I, and I heard people, um, uh, Brooke Shields. I really like her. She was such a good person, really, really a sweet person. And she did an interview with me once and she was talking about Michael Jackson and, uh, she said some pretty personal things, but at the same time I was working for the daily news and had a gossip column with AJ Benzer. I don't know if you know AJ. I do, I, from the Stern show. I know him. Yeah. 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 Uh, actually, was parodied on Family Guy, which to me is the coolest thing. But um, so I had this great story from Brooke Shields for my other magazine. But I also had to get items for the New York Daily News. And this is it. This is a great item. So I typed up what she said for a gossip column in the New York Daily News. And I didn't write the titles. They had a copy editor that would write the titles of the columns. And someone wrote Babbling Brooke. (laughs) <laughs> and then my story underneath, and I felt like a piece of shit. I really did. I felt like yeah. I fucked her over and uh, really felt bad about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I there's a lot of times I did, I really did because there always was you wouldn't, especially in that time period in the 90s and early 2000s, it was all about getting on the tabloid shows, all sure. about.
0: Yeah, we've pulled it. back, but that was kind of the heyday of you could almost say whatever Perez you wanted. Hilton.
1: Yeah, you had you had guys like Perez Hilton. Yeah, you, you had hard copy, Geraldo. You had all these um, Gawker. You had all these hard, gossipy websites, and 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 uh, TMZ was just starting out. Yeah, and everyone was trying to top the other person, who could get the most outrageous story. And I had access to so many celebrities, and I really did. I really did take advantage of it and it made me a lot of money, a lot of money. And, uh, I became very successful over it, but I was, I was a piece of shit for that more so than what I ever did to Opie or Howard Stern. I think what I did to Hollywood people, the musicians, throwing them under the bus in the gossip columns was terrible. I can see because,
0: you know, and you know why I would agree with you on that is because Brooke Shields her life is not an open book the way Stern and Opie right. at least pretend to be, you know. It's Whereas you be. think they're not even. Why would they care about this? You know. No, I,
1: I was, a, I, you know, I was a good interviewer and I really got people to open up, but to the point where they forget to doing an interview. You know? Right, right, right. It would be, I mean, you'd sit in a restaurant with somebody with Henry Winkler or whoever it could be. It could be anybody. Brooke Shields, you see, uh, or, or um, Britney Spears. You're yeah, sitting okay. in a restaurant. And I got my little tape deck cassette player playing on the table, but we're having drinks and we're having lunch. And over an hour, hour and a half, people, if you win them over, they just start talking, which is what you want, which is what you want. And, And I would really get some awesome things out of them, but then race right back to the office, pull out the greatest dirt I could find and promote that interview in a gossip page. Yeah, to get attention for the article, which is, you know, you could say that's nothing wrong with that. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to to get uh, a lot of hype for a story you did. You want to sell it to the public. But at the same time, I felt like these people weren't asking for that. Didn't want that. And (laughs) and I, I did it to them.
0: Well, I, I mean, I certainly, as a guy who loves gossip, I certainly appreciate all of it, and I appreciate you coming on to talk Howard and OA and old radio and all that kind of stuff. My last question for you. Yeah. Does Howard Stern wear a wig? Yes. Okay. All right. Thank uh, you.
1: I appreciate it. I, I, can, I, can, I can prove it. How so? Uh, well, okay. So when I had my magazine, one of my biggest advertisers was this uh, Hair Replacement Center in New York City, a guy by name of Richard Farrell, okay? Okay. Uh, Farrell hair replacements. And uh, he was advertised on the Howard Stern Show. And that's how I got him to advertise with me. So I went over there one day to collect some, Yoda, some money for the ads. And I went up to the shop on 24th Street. And he said, all right, I'll, I'll be with you in a minute. Can you just have a seat in a private cubicle? It's one of the rooms where they actually do the hair replacements. So I'm sitting there and he's got a picture on the wall. And it's Howard. <laughs> and it's Howard getting his hair replacement. Really? Signed by Howard. Thanks for thanks for making me look like a human being or something like that. Signed yeah. Howard Stern. And there it is. And he comes in and go, that's Howard. He goes, yeah, he's a client. How
0: would, how would Howard allow that though? Why would he sign that if he wants to keep it such a secret? I don't know why Howard. I don't
1: think Howard knew he had it hanging up in, in his office.
0: Right. You know,
1: I don't know. But it was there. It was there, and it was Howard, and he signed it. All right, and, well, you heard it here first, folks.
0: Yeah, um, Troncy Hayden. Thank you so much, man, for coming on. Is there anything you're promoting, or just hanging out?
1: I live in Ireland now, and I'm raising my nine-year-old daughter, Poppy. And uh, right now, I, I'm I'm out of the game, so to speak. Yeah. I, I Oh, it must uh, be
0: nice. I envy you, my friend.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm here. You know, the leprechauns and (laughs) the shamrocks and the Guinness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm just being a dad and uh, watching you guys do all the work now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chauncey Aiden, thank you so much, man. I love this. Hopefully, uh, I think a lot of Stern and uh, ONA fans will enjoy it as well. So thank you very much, buddy.
1: Hope so. All right, man. Thank you for doing this. All right. Talk to you later. Okay.